Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. From New York City, the makers of Clipper Craft Clothes for Men and more than 1,200 leading retail stores from coast to coast, presenter Arthur Conan Doyle's immortal character, the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes, starring John Stanley. This week's adventure, The Logic of Murder. You're going to die within the next few seconds. No! But before you die... You will have the privilege of seeing a technique in murder never before used in the history of man. I shall start now. This will be the perfect murder. And the simplicity of it will astound you. Look, all I have to do, all I have to do is this. Expenses can't afford it. Now, if you didn't know otherwise, that's what you might think when you see the new fall suits by Clippercraft. To be sure, Clippercraft's rich-looking fabrics have a well-deserved reputation for long wear, and you can see for yourself how superbly Clippercraft suits are tailored, how perfectly they fit. Expensive-looking, yes, but you'll pay only forty or forty-five dollars. That's what happens when more than twelve hundred of this country's finest independent stores concentrate the purchasing power. That brings about production and distribution savings that are passed along to you. That's why you can enjoy the extra long wear of Clippercraft handsome worsted suits at only $45 at the friendly independent store in your community that sells Clippercraft. See the selection of top coats and overcoats, too. You just can't find values to beat Clippercraft. Compare Clippercraft with clothes selling for many dollars more. Dr. Watson, I'm, I'm curious to know what you mean by the logic of murder. Mr. Harris, this adventure began one autumn evening in 1896, when Holmes and I were in our flat at 221 B. Baker Street. We'd had an unexpected visitor. He was a lean, pale chap, abnormally tall, with penetrating eyes. As he explained his grotesque mission, my amazement grew each moment. My name is Forrest, Mr. Holmes. Dr. Nelson Forrest. Most distinguished name, sir. One with which I'm quite familiar. May I present my friend and colleague, Dr. Watson? How do you do, Dr. Forrest? Dr. Watson. Don't you occupy a chair of medicine at Oxford, sir? Indeed I do, but my civic duties prevent my being very active at the university. I'm also chief toxicologist at the coroner's office, Boar's Hill, adjacent to Oxford. And the purpose of your visit, Dr. Forrest? I've performed the duties of a coroner for decades, Mr. Holmes. I've performed more than 6,000 autopsies. I'm something of an expert on causes of death. Hmm. Intriguing background. Pray continue. I've two associates, Chief Justice Wickham. Yes, I know him well, Professor of Juris. And hmm. Professor Edward Roberts. Ah, yes. One of the world's foremost experts on logic. We were enjoying a pleasant afternoon tea some weeks ago, the three of us. The conversation turned to the ancient problem of the perfect murder. I've spent many a long evening ruminating over that problem. The conversation became most spirited. Each of us made contributions. 
Wickham, a veritable genius on evasions of the law, made a few superb suggestions. I contributed two on the basis of my knowledge of uh, causes of death. And Roberts? Roberts, our master of logic, fitted each step of the perfect murder into its proper place with breathtaking precision. You mean to say, Dr. Forrest, that your trio has created the perfect murder? Astonished. No, gentlemen, not quite. Our objective was to construct a murder so ideally committed that it was absolutely impossible to know how the victim had died and impossible to identify the killer. Good Lord, if anyone knew how to commit such a crime, why... I think someone does, Dr. Watson. Really? We solved every problem for the would-be killer, except one. The final step called for a staggering feat of logic. It was a puzzle fit for our greatest minds. Well, our tea ended. Wickham and I forgot the problem. We felt it could never be solved. And Professor Roberts, the logician? Precisely why I've come to you, Mr. Holmes. I've known Roberts intimately for years. He has an insatiate passion for such things. He spends every minute of his spare time playing highly advanced forms of chess. Shogi, the Japanese version. Cylindrical chess. Three-dimensional chess. He has solved retrograde problems in chess that have been riddled since the 6th century Persian. You mean, Doctor, you believe Robert may have solved the last step of this perfect crime? I do. It's a horrible accusation. Once knowing that last step, Robert may, might commit murders endlessly without ever fearing that he'd be caught. Why are you so certain that Roberts has solved it? Mr. Holmes, that man could not sleep, could not eat, could not keep his sanity if he did not solve such a problem. Yes, but even if he can commit the perfect murder, uh, why should he attempt it? The temptation is too powerful to resist, Dr. Watson. You're a man of science, sir. Surely you appreciate the ruthless driving force of the scientific mind? Professor Roberts would have to know if the murder were really perfect. He'd have to try it. And what do you expect of me, Dr. Forrest? I am a physician, sir, not a criminologist. I believe the menace is great. I've hoped you might see, Professor Roberts, you might try to learn if he can commit the ideal murder. Have you asked him yourself if he solved the puzzle? Yes, he denies having thought of it since that tea. But his whole being is dedicated with a religious fervor to visiting weird, unexplored areas where the human brain has never ventured. He could not resist embarking upon so magnificent an odyssey of the mind. I see. I accept the invitation, Dr. Forrest. Watson and I shall see your professor. It's simple to find him. He lives with his young niece, Edith, at a cottage in Boar's Hill. Come, Watson. We shall attempt to learn if Professor Roberts has become the one human being on Earth who knows the technique for an absolutely perfect murder. I'm delighted to have so renowned a guest, Mr. Holmes. Welcome. Thank you, Professor Roberts. I trust we're not imposing. No, 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 no. Quite the contrary. I've plenty of time. Matter of fact, I was just leaving for a few days' vacation with my niece. I've all sorts of spare time these days. Are you comfortable there, Dr. Watson? <laughs> very, Professor, very. For a gentleman with so many demands upon his services, surely this is a this is of vital importance. It is, Professor. I'm at your service, sir. Professor, you entered into a discussion with two faculty associates of yours some weeks ago. Dr. Forrest and Justice Wickham. But I see them so frequently. To which discussion do you refer? It was a delightful afternoon tea. And the subject was murder, Professor. The flawless murder. Oh, yes, 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 I recall it. Evidently, it made a lasting impression upon them. Who uh, spoke to you about it? Dr. Forrest. Professor, one step in logic remained. One problem was unsolved to arrive at the ultimate ideal technique for committing the murder. 
Is that correct? It is. Did you give the problem further thought? No, no, no. None whatsoever. The problem was impossible. Even for one of your gifts? Mr. Holmes, surely you must know that the perfect murder is an illusion. It defies the infinitely petty scope of the human mind. Uncle Edward, the luggage is ready. It's by the door. Oh, I beg your pardon. Oh, this is my niece, Edith Marshall. Edith, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, Dr. John Watson. How, How do you know, do you know Dr. Edith Marshall? has been preparing us for our little vacation. Is everything ready, my dear? Yes, Uncle Edward. I haven't the time to clean the house, though. I just like leaving it so dusty. It's just all about in the bookshelves, in your chest set, on the mantel. Oh, let it be, let it be, child. We shall tear. Mr. Holmes, was it solely because of that discussion you mentioned that you came here? Solely. I certainly do hope you won't take offense, but it strikes me as rather a fool, Perrin. Does it? Dr. Forrest is sometimes more of a nervous old woman than a professor of toxicology. I always choose to follow the scent of murder, Professor, however faint and elusive. What's wrong, Uncle Edward? Nothing, nothing at all, Edith. Mr. Holmes and I were just chatting... An absurd problem of the perfect murder. If they're off on a vacation, Holmes, perhaps we'd better... Oh, we don't want to rush you. Oh, it's quite all right. Uh... Of course, this isn't entirely a vacation for Uncle Edward. Well, why not? Because you must read the minutes of the Board of Trustees meeting last week. You should have gone. I'm taking them along. Oh, that's hard. We'd best uh, dash along, Holmes. I regret that your mission was not more fruitful, Mr. Holmes. It's been enlightening, Professor Roberts. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uncle Edward. Yes, my dear. Please don't be upset, but... So what is it? You did tell Mr. Holmes the truth, didn't you? The truth? About not having worked out a way to commit a perfect murder. <laughs> of course I told the truth. I wish you'd never discuss it with Wickham and Forrest. Why? Well, ever since you did, I've had an awful feeling about it. Oh, really? The kind of shadows falling over the cottage. I was never afraid to stay here before. But last night I couldn't sleep. I kept wondering if you'd solve the problem. I kept wondering what you might do. Oh, dismiss it from your mind, Edith. Even if by some odd chance I should find the answers, what of it? I don't know. I saw you in the garden yesterday. At twilight. It was very cold outside, but you were standing there without a coat or hat, and there was perspiration on your face. <laughs> Just your imagination. No, I saw you quite clearly. I couldn't help but think... Yes? Never mind. I'm being foolish. You've been working hard, Edith. You're tense. And we're both a bit bored. The atmosphere's oppressive. As soon as we reach the Cotswolds, those beautiful hills, you'll relax. I hope so. I have been overwrought, all because of that stupid conversation and that gruesome problem. Shall we set our things and leave? By all means. Well, Holmes, for once I do believe you've taken us upon a futile journey. <laughs> Not that I mind this carriage ride and the train back to London. I rather... Holmes, are you paying the slightest bit of attention? No, my dear Watson. You're not convinced by Professor Robert's protest of innocence, are you? One mixes the various elements in the retort, Watson. One lights the flame and soon the brew begins to bubble. 
There were elements in our few moments with the professor of logic that should soon produce a fascinating compound. I didn't notice anything peculiar. Didn't you? The professor of logic was most illogical. Was he? Given a moment for further contemplation, I shall have crystallized my thoughts. But I must think fast. If the professor knows how to commit the perfect murder, he may be tempted to try it at any moment. Aha! You have it, home. Turn back, driver. Back to Ball's Hill. There's a professor's house where you found it. Quickly! Quickly! Do you believe the professor starved at home? I'm sure of it. How'd you know? He remarked that he had a great deal of spare time. Yes, yes. Previously, Dr. Forrest informed us that Professor Roberts has a fanatic interest in advanced forms of chess. Yes, so he did. Yet, with all this spare time, Edith, his niece, observed that his chess set was covered with dust. It had gone unused for a considerable period. Why, Watson? Why would an incurable addict of chess abandon it completely when he has ample time? Then consider the minutes of the trustees' meeting. The minutes? Yes. Edith reprimanded the professor for failing to appear at the meeting so that he's now obliged to read the minutes. Although he has so much time, the professor neglected a vital appointment. Why, Watson? Only one answer is conceivable. He's been so consumed by the desire to solve the riddle of the ideal murder. Yes, you're right, Holmes. We must confront him with your conclusion. Yes, but, but while you've the evidence that he's been struggling with the riddle, how do you know that he's found the answer? Think, Watson. If he were innocent, if he were considering the problem merely as an exercise in mental gymnastics, he would have admitted to working on it, would he not? Quite. However, he lied. He pretended to have ignored that afternoon tea once it had ended. He could only have attempted that camouflage if he had an insidious motive. I should say he knows how to commit the perfect murder, and he intends to try. Good Lord. I should say he would choose for his victim a trusting individual who's quite handy. In short, his lovely young niece, Edith. Driver, can't your horses do better? Hurry, man! Hurry, hurry! This is the time for a new top coat or overcoat. Naturally, you'd like a really expensive-looking coat, and with the cost of living so high, its price should be kind on your pocketbook. So your Clippercraft dealer gives you rich-looking fabrics that are hard to wear out, and superbly tailored top coats and overcoats with made-for-you fits. Yet the most luxurious of all Clippercraft coats will cost you only forty-seven fifty. But you can own a distinctive Clippercraft coat for as little as forty dollars. The huge concentrated buying power of more than twelve hundred of America's finest independent stores makes these sensational values possible. No wonder America is so proud of Clippercraft values. Ask to see the new lightweight Clippercraft zipper top coat that has taken the country by storm. On chilly days, just zip in the lining and brave the wind in warm comfort. Ideally light in weight and wonderfully light on your budget. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city. These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suits, top coats, and overcoats. In Manhattan, Saks 34th, Broadway at 34th. John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss. In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue. Dr. Watson, we're, we're most impatient to return to your story. Well, Mr. Harris, with the shocking realization that Professor Roberts knew how to commit a perfect murder and was probably about to try it upon his young niece, Holmes and I raced in our carriage back to the professor's cottage at Boar's Hill. 
Todd has. Professor Upton so quickly when we first call on him. Not once more, Watson. You know, he may have done away with Edith after we left. Now he's vanished. If he has, it'll be the first act of murder I shall never be able to prove, Watson. Merely indicting him on the basis of chatter at a tea party will be of no avail. We shall not be able to establish the cause of death, the motive, nor anything else. He refuses to answer. Oh, this door's flimsy. I believe we have enough strength to force it. Right you are, Holmes. Ready? Ready. Uh, once more, Holmes. There we are. Professor Roberts. Professor Roberts. Search the other rooms, Watson. Yes, sir. No one in the bedroom. Not in this kitchen. Bedding's empty, too. They've gone, Watson. The professor of logic has made off with his niece to use her as his victim. Could we possibly find them, Holmes? They said they were going on a vacation. Yes, but where, Watson? Where? We must look at every corner of this cottage for a clue. About ransacked the whole place, Holmes? Yes, and no indication of where he's taken the girl. There must be one. A human being cannot quit his quarters for a prolonged period without leaving traces. You see, they might have gone to Bournemouth for fishing. Or to, or to Wales. Wales for the mountain air. They, they might have taken the waters in Malvern. Perhaps they just dashed over the Cotswolds. You know, there are many small hotels. There are there. many possibilities, but we've no time at all, and we must know exactly where. I've gone through the closets, through his books, his desk, the niece's bureau. We I... haven't emptied the waste paper basket, Watson. Capital notion, Holmes. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, notes, cancel, check, and uh, advertisements. Ah, that envelope. Just the corner of an envelope. The rest has been hopelessly torn away. Just the last portion of where the return address is printed. May I see it? E R S E T S H I R E. Ursature? What word ends in ursature? You know, Holmes, uh, uh, this letter might have been written to the professor for any purpose whatsoever. Yes, Watson, but if it should happen to have come from a well-established resort. We might reasonably assume it was correspondence involving a reservation for the professor and his niece. Well, one of the vacation spots I can think of ends in Ursiger, there's Malvern, there's a, a Bournemouth, there's Isle of Wight. The word that ends that way is Somersetshire. The Cotswolds, the nearest and most popular holiday resort in this area, will do just as well by carriage as, it, as we stop to wait for the train. Certainly have. Fetch a cab. Run, Watson, run! <laughs> Countryside here in the Cotswolds is exquisite, isn't it, Uncle Edward? Uh, yes, yes, Edith. It's enchanting. Uh, you don't seem to be enjoying it. Oh, but I am, my dear, I am. You seem distracted. Do I? You haven't been thinking of that awful problem, have you? Perhaps. Uncle Edward. Great weakness, Edith. Problem I can't solve becomes an obsession. You should know that. I become tantalous, thirsting in hell. Up to my chin in a pool of water which recedes when I attempt to drink. You must use your willpower. You must forget it. It's too late. What do you mean? I did lie to Holmes. You what? I lied. I have been thinking about how to commit the perfect murder ever since that strange afternoon. It seems almost unreal now. Almost as if part of it were a dream. I have been thinking of it since I sat here in the sun with the two professors of tea, idly chattering. Never realizing what seeds were being planted in my mind. Did you solve the puzzle, Uncle Edward? Do you know how to commit a perfect murder? Do you know? Do you know? Answer me. Answer me! Yes. 
Yes, I do. What do you intend to do about it? Will you tell Mr. Holmes? Will you tell Wickham or Forrest? The police, perhaps? Let me be, Edith. I've been under a great strain all these weeks. I've hardly slept. Go back to the hotel. Leave me. I want to walk by myself in this cool air. Very well, Uncle Edward. But you can't keep this terrible secret to yourself. What do you intend to do about it? I shall do nothing. For the moment. Well, our carriage is coming into the Cotswolds, Holmes. Of course, one difficulty remains. Difficulty, Watson? There must be some 15 or 20 hotels, camps, and other places where the professor may have taken his niece in these hills. Now, how do we determine which spot that he's chosen for the murder? There'll be a way, Watson. There'll be a way. Confounded, Holmes. If you've an idea of how to find this killer, then tell me. This is hardly the time to play cat and mouse. Calmly, Watson. Calmly. There must be a way of learning their whereabouts. We're not too late to save the girl's life already. Clark? Mm. Uh, yes, ma'am. Does this hotel send telegraphic messages for us, Jeff? Mm. Certainly, ma'am. I should like to send this message immediately. Can you read my handwriting? Uh, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, 221 B Baker Street, London. Uncle Edward has solved the riddle. Urgent you come here. We are in the Cotswold St. George Hotel. Do not lose a second. That's right. Send it now, would you, and put the charges on my bill. Yes, Miss Marshall. Uh, thank you. Clark. Oh, yes. Oh, Clark. Yes. Oh, Professor Roberts. I, uh, saw my niece here at the desk. Did you do what she wanted? Yes, I am sending the telegram for her now. Telegram? May I, uh, see it, please? Uh, here it is, Professor. Hmm. Oh, it isn't necessary to send that. Just tear it up. Oh, but Professor... I said tear it up. Anything you say, sir. Stop here, driver. Well, this is the Cotswold District, Holmes. Now where to? I shall make an inquiry at this first hotel, Watson. What sort of inquiry? I shall ask which hotel in this area is equipped with self-bath facilities. What on earth? You remember when we first visited the cottage at Boar's Head? Edith said their luggage was ready and standing by the door. Yes, quite. I saw it. My dear Watson, you saw, but you did not think. You should have noticed that the professor's luggage was covered with labels from hotels he'd been to previously. I saw the labels, too. As you and I have been riding, I've run quickly through the labels I'd seen. I realized instantly that every hotel the professor had visited in the past was equipped with health bath facilities, obviously a preference of his. The remainder of our problem is negligible. We shall dash into this hotel and ask which spot in these hills has a Turkish bath and similar equipment. Wait for us, coachman. Don't leave your post. Here's the ice for your head, Uncle Hedrick. Feeling better? Oh, yes, yes, it is much better. It's so kind of you to bring it to my room. I wrapped it in this towel I found in your bathroom. There you are. Oh, it feels good. Missing headache. You must take a nap. I'll leave you. I don't think we can leave you. Why not? I've locked the door. You what? I've locked the door. Why did you do that? I didn't want you to go. Uncle Edward, don't get up. Stay in that sofa. You're not well. There isn't a thing wrong with me. But you asked me to bring the ice. You said a headache. A very cheap deception, but practical enough. I locked the door to be sure you wouldn't run off. You see... I've not only worked out how to commit the perfect murder, 
But I cannot resist the temptation to see if my theory is correct. You're playing a game with me. No, no, not at all. Try the door, Edith. It's off, isn't it? You've gone mad. I fought this temptation, Edith. I did not want to know the answer to the problem. I was afraid I'd want to try it once I knew. And then... I'm positive. I'm convinced. The chances of anyone learning the cause of your death... My death? Yes, yes. The chances of their learning the cause of your death or of ever accusing me of it are non-existent. There is a way to kill you that fulfills those seemingly impossible requirements. Let me out! Let me out Don't of here! Don't scream, Edith. Perhaps you didn't notice I selected a room in an abandoned section of this huge hotel in a distant park. You couldn't do it! You couldn't! I thought that myself. But can you appreciate what an achievement this will be for me? Can you understand how I had to know the answer? And now that I do, how I must confirm it? They'll find me here in your room. Oh, will they? Sherlock Holmes knows I went off with you. It's a long way from there to proving I did away with you. You forget. This is the ideal murder. There are steps I shall take after you are dead. I know. The window. I'll get out that you way. You can't open it. I tend to do that. You'll also notice that before you came, I cleared the room. Nothing is available for you to use as a weapon against me. Well, you're going to die, Edith. Within the next few seconds. No! No! But before you die, you will have the privilege of seeing a technique to murder never before used in the history of man. I should start now. The simplicity of it will astound me. All I must do. All I must do is... You'll do nothing, Professor Roberts. Oh. I brought the law with me. Seize him up, sir. Come on, Professor. He was going to Go kill on, me. Officer. Don't try any tricks, Professor. No, no, you'll never do. The Professor fall through the window. <laughs> Now that we've returned to Baker Street, I say we should enjoy a well-deserved rest, eh? Oh, now who could that be? Come in. Uh, Mr. Sherlock Holmes? Yes? Uh, my name's Briggs. I'm counselor for the estate of Professor Roberts. Better in this morning, you know. What brings you to Baker Street, Mr. Briggs? Oh, I'm sorry, this is Dr. Watson. I do. I've no business with him, just with you. Uh, we found this envelope here in a steel box for the late professor. It says no one is to open it but you. So go on, open it, let's be done with it. Very well. As soon as I remove this sealing wax. Aha. What's it say, Hope? What's it say, Hope? What the... Professor Roberts writes that he bequeathed his technique for committing the absolutely perfect murder to me. He wrote this to be read by me should he die before I did. He wishes to be remembered by posterity as the creator of this technique the first in all recorded time to discover it. He describes how to commit the perfect murder. Just three sentences, the most surprising three sentences I've ever read. And he's right. He's 100% right. What are they, Holmes? What does the paper say? Nothing, Watson. Nothing. Careful, Mr. Holmes, you hold that paper too close to the fireplace and you'll burn it. Exactly what I intend to do, Mr. Briggs. There are. 
All right, well, Mr. Holmes, you, you, you burned it. We'll never know what the paper said. Oh, Holmes, how do you commit the perfect murder? That, my dear Watson, is something I must try desperately to forget. It's something about which the world must forever wonder. Dr. Watson, and did Mr. Holmes ever reveal that secret? No, Mr. Harris. Never. Oh. Well, you've a revelation you must make, though, Doctor. Do I, Mr. Harris? You must tell us a bit about the adventure you plan for next week. Well, next week, Mr. Harris, I shall relate to you the adventure of the ancient queen. It involves a crooked knife, a statue's fist, and a certain society. And I'm quite sure you'll enjoy it. Makers of Clippercraft clothes in more than 1,200 stores from coast to coast have brought you another in the new series of broadcasts featuring the world's most famous detective, Sherlock Holmes. Our stories are based upon the character Sherlock Holmes, created by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and the program is produced and directed by Basil Lockford. Sherlock Holmes is played by John Stanley, Dr. Watson by George Felton. This week's story was written by Howard Merrill, with special music by Albert Berman. If you don't know your Clippercraft dealer, write Clippercraft, 200 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Be sure to listen next week to Sherlock Holmes in The Adventure of the Ancient Queen. Hi, Harris, speaking for Clifford Craft Clothes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.